Welcome back to Home Design Chat with Nancy. If you're remodeling or building a new home, you don't want to miss these podcasts. We share information about every component of your home. You'll learn about tile, appliances, cabinets, paint, flooring, everything. Yes, we cover it all. Well, today is September 29th, and I do catalog these by date. So uh, make sure that you uh, subscribe, by the way, and then you can look through all of the podcasts that I have um, posted. I actually post every week, so don't miss any. They're really important. Today, my guest is Gil Olachea. He is the owner of Ceramica, which is a tile showroom in Scottsdale. Hey, Gil. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Good to be with you, Nancy. Thank you for inviting me. Well, Ceramica is a showroom that I frequent um, all the time when I need some tile for my clients. But I want you to explain what sets your tile showroom apart from all the others. Good question. Uh, Nancy, Ceramica has carved out a niche for itself where we specialize in unique, unusual type of tile products, whether they're porcelain, ceramics, stone, mosaics, water jet, anything along those lines. But we also service a very narrow market, and it's the trades. Those are the designers like yourself, architects, and custom home builders. We are not open to the public for that particular reason. And as a result, we enjoy a very nice relationship with those trade professionals. Yes, not something that you're going to get from uh, Ma and Pa's tile shop where they got the tile from, dare I say, China, or it's maybe uh, drop-offs or overstocks. So I, I do love your tile. So today we're going to talk about the trends in tile, and we've got three more months of 2021, and then we're into 2022. So let's look at our crystal ball and see what's going on, what's coming in, what people are going to be using. Everybody's always asking me, what's in? And actually, I just want to say that what's in is what you like. We will talk about trends, maybe some fads, but the homeowner, like yourself, who's listening, you have to put something in that you're going to like and that you can live with for several years. Tile is not something that you're going to change out every month or every year. So if you find something that's a fad, and we've talked about this before, and you go, yeah, it's fine, yeah, and a year you get sick of it, it's going to be kind of pricey to change it out. So be sure that you get something that you like, that you can live with. And don't worry about what the designers in the magazines talk about. Agreed, uh, Gil? Yes, absolutely. When we have uh, clients visit our showroom, if we're asked an opinion, uh, what do we think about the color or the texture or anything of that nature, we buy out. It's all personal choice. It, my opinion doesn't matter. Right. And mine doesn't either. I could advise you, I could suggest, but ultimately I'm not living in your house. And that goes with the kitchens, uh, the cabinets, the countertops, uh, the color on the walls. You've got to live with it. Every morning you get up and you walk around your house and you have to say, I like this. And if you say, oh, so-and-so, my designer told me to pick this and I don't like it, you know, blame yourself. Don't blame the designer. 
Okay, let's start with uh, the trends that why people should not go with trends. I mean, what is the main reason? Like I just said, right? Expensive, very expensive. It can be very expensive. And and we do have homeowners uh, of our clients who do like trends and certainly they have the pocketbook to support it. So whenever there's a shift in the trend, every three to five years, whatever whatever the case may be, they're in the mood of remodeling and changing things out. Yeah. I was going to say, don't forget, you might like to change your tile often, but you have to get somebody to remove your old tile. It's messy, and you could get a dustless service, and it's not that expensive. But think about the mess. This is not something that you can say like changing wallpaper, right? Right. After the first time a homeowner has tile removed, whether it's from the floor or the wall, they will think second and third times before they do that once again. It is so completely messy. You will find dust everywhere months and months after the remodel has been completed. Mm-hmm. Well, I must say that there is uh, several dust removal, dust-free removal services, and it does work. Um, little pricey. But if it's important to you because you have allergies or you have things in your house that you don't want to be covered with dust, um, I would suggest looking into the dustless service. Um, So one of the fads that I think I've never specified it, and we talked about this, uh, those encaustic tiles. Do you want to explain what they are and how popular they are and why? Well, encaustic also known as cement tiles, from my perspective, from my business perspective, was really popular a few years ago. Today, that really isn't the case. Today, my clientele shy away from the encaustic or the cement tile look. The reason is the market has been just absolutely flooded with inexpensive Asian imports. And you can find this product virtually everywhere, online, the big box stores, and the prices have diminished so so much that um, my clients are shying away from the product, as I mentioned. Mm. Now, you might be listening to this and saying, what the heck are they talking about? What's an encaustic tile? Well, this is not a video or a YouTube. This is an audio podcast. So, Gil, how would you describe encaustic tiles? Encaustic is actually made from a mixture of Portland cement and cement that has color in it. The Portland cement is placed uh, on the back side. Well, it starts off first that the color of the tile is placed first in the mold. It's on the bottom. Then the Portland cement is placed over the top of it. It's then placed in the sun and dried out. After the water has been evaporated, they turn the pattern over so the color is now on the top. So it's basically just that. It's a cement tile. Now, Encaustic was actually a process that was developed, actually pressed everything with a hydraulic mechanism. So it really caused the cement in the mold to come together and become a very solid structure. Because of the driving reasons for uh, reducing costs and improving selling prices, they got away from that hydraulic process. And just as I described earlier, place the cement into the mold, and let it dry on its own in the sun. Well, typically, these tiles have very busy patterns. Yes. Um, 
geometric, maybe um, flowery type things. You put four together and you see, you know, the way they lay it out, that it could be a big flower or it could be uh, different geometric patterns. But bottom line is it's very busy. And they do have, like Gil said, it's colorful. You can go with white, with blue or green or um not something that you're not going to get tired of. You will get tired of these tiles. And that's why I've never specified them. And I think uh, the fad is gone, but they're, um, did you mention that they're being made in another country at a lower I, price? I mentioned Asian imports, but yeah. specifically they were the Chinese uh, production of cement tiles flooded the U.S. market to the point where, from a design perspective, designers and architects just dumped it. They they literally mm -hmm. just said, we're walking away from this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally overdone. So that is the prime example of a fad. It's, it's on its way out or it's gone. Um, so let's get to floors. I mean, we talk about this all the time. What is the trend or what are people using on the floors? For tile and tile has become so popular. I know years ago, just to go back many, many years, there was the wall to wall carpeting that was throughout the house, except for the bathrooms and the kitchen. And now you're seeing tile in every single room. True. Uh, right? And for the most part, it's driven by the homeowner. Mm -hmm. um, the designer and/or architect will give some guidance, maybe steer them in the direction. But if the homeowner loves a porcelain tile versus a natural stone tile, then the porcelain is the solution. Porcelain oh, has come, yeah. come a, a long ways over the past five years in terms of its technology. Uh, we have porcelain tile products that replicate marble, and literally you cannot tell the difference. I have fooled a number of people by placing the real article in front of a porcelain. And you cannot identify between the two of them. Uh, most of the time, I can tell by touching it, not even by just looking at it. That's how perfect it is. Yes. I like that. Well, um, in doing some research, I found that there's a new term called Japandi, and that's uh, combining Scandinavian functionality and Japanese rustic minimalism. So it's a blend of function and form. So what this says is, okay, we're seeing a lot of clean lines, a lot of light colors on the floor, and a lot of large format tiles to give the illusion of just a large span, a clean, minimalistic look um so and i know i've been in your showroom recently you have a lot of large format tiles that seems to be very popular right yes in fact with spaces room spaces home home spaces becoming much more open large format trends have been really on the uptick over the past few years and when i mention large format it's larger actually than 24 inch by 24 inch they're like 36 inches by 24 inches or 36 by 36 inches or tiles that are 48 inches by 48 inches. And actually, I have a tile that measures five feet by 12 feet. That's bigger than me. Yes. <laughs> That's not something that I want to carry somewhere. How many people do we need to install a 12 foot by five foot? Not Big one question. person. <laughs> it's it, two 
two people, two men can actually manipulate it. It's using a particular apparatus that uses suction cups to uh, to lift it and put it into place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once you get beyond 24 inch by 24 inch, two men are actually required to install that tile properly. Yes, no matter what the size is above the 24 by 24. But uh, if they are not professional, like for the do-it-yourselfer people, if your floor isn't perfectly level, tell them what happens, Gil. Yes, that's one item that most people neglect. And there are even contractors out there that do not perform the preliminary work for prepping a floor to accept large format tiles. And what is done in spite of what somebody may claim that the floor is perfectly flat, there is no perfectly flat floor. So a auto leveler, it's basically a very liquid format of cement that is poured onto the floor and it settles uh, in its own plane and levels the entire floor. Then once that's dried, the large format tiles can be applied to the floor using what's called a thin set. It's just another cement type product. Now, if that floor isn't perfectly level, again, you might say, well, I can do this myself. You can't unless you're a professional. But even if you get a tile setter that's not familiar, but he's given you a cheap price, question this and you want to see his work because when the floor isn't level, guess what happens? Gill. Yeah, tiles will crack and they'll break and they'll crack in places where it's predictable, like where there's expansion joints. Mm -hmm. And even where there aren't expansion joints, if it's not installed properly on a flat floor, they will break. They will crack, whether it's stone, porcelain or anything else. It will, over time, walking on it, using it, carrying carts across the surface, it will crack and break. Right. So think twice before you do it yourself. I want to talk about Monogram. Monogram is a an appliance company. They make beautiful appliances and they've introduced two different um, collections. One is the minimalist collection, which is streamlined and it works well with contemporary kitchens and this minimalist uh, look that we've been talking about. And the other is the statement collection, which brings um, the traditional kitchen together with the modern features. Uh, So if you want to look more at Monogram, you have to go to monogram.com. They are nice enough to sponsor me. I will say that if you're planning on remodeling or if you need new appliances, plan ahead. Everything is back ordered, including your appliances. I know I've ordered appliances uh, for some of the kitchens that I'm remodeling, and you can't just get it in two weeks. Your appliances are important to your remodel, so don't wait till the last minute. Also, your appliances are the first things to be specified and ordered so that your kitchen designer, or yourself if that's what you're doing, can design the kitchen based on the sizes of the appliances. So it's very important to think ahead, plan ahead, and get those appliances ordered. Well, now I want to talk about marble because everybody loves marble on the floor. It's so elegant, and it's one of the hot things that people are picking, especially for bathrooms. What are you seeing on this, Gil? Your purists, uh, there are those designers who, if it's going to be marble, they want pure marble, stone, the original product, not the porcelain lookalike. Uh, I see a large mixture of the choice between the actual article of marble versus porcelain itself. Um, 
natural stone just makes a statement. And, and those that do understand natural stone will gravitate towards it because it looks beautiful and gorgeous. Right? But what we talked about earlier, that porcelain has come a long way. In spite of that, there are purists. And even if they know that it's uh, a natural product of stone, they will specify that over the, the porcelain type product. Well, I think people, before they specify, have to see the function of the room, of what the tile is going to be like, um, where it's going, um, because it's a lower maintenance if you go with porcelain, right? Correct. One of the practicalities of porcelain is that there's virtually no maintenance. With stone, the natural stone, you will have a set schedule dependent upon the usage of maintenance. And the maintenance could be cleaning. It could be polishing, it could be honing the surface, and then sealing it once again. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, is how's um, natural marble in a shower? That's a great question. Um, natural white marble, we just stayed with white marble, mm-hmm. inherently has iron deposits in it. Most of the world's production out of, out of the earth of white marble has as naturally occurring iron deposits. If it's placed in a shower or a bathroom that gets wet, it has high humidity levels, is not ventilated well, over time, you'll notice what may look like brown streaks or kind of a dull gold background in under the surface of the natural marble surface. What that is actually is that the iron deposits have become attacked by the water. And when water hits iron or metal, it will rust. So what you're seeing is over time, the tile is actually rusting. It's not the stone that's rusting. It's the iron deposits that are hidden within the, the tile itself. Can that be eliminated by putting an extra layer of sealer on it? Not necessarily. Um, water will seek its entry point through grout joints or other areas um, where there's a seam. And it'll get wicked up. It'll get sucked right up and through the grout or the thin set on the backside of the tile itself. Again, it's over time. Mm-hmm. Well, I have mixed the two together. Um, I did a steam shower that required the Carrera look. So I used porcelain because that steam shower obviously has water all over it, including the ceiling. So we had to uh, tile the whole thing. But then on the outside of the shower, we used natural marble. And it is so close, like you were saying before, you can't even tell. So you have to be practical. You can use the porcelain in the shower, and then you can use the natural marble on the rest of the bathroom. Yes, and I like the use of porcelain in a shower application or even in the water closet and using the natural stone either as a tub surround or a backsplash or as an accent wall. Okay. You can even put it on the floor in the bathroom, but you have to be aware of the uh, slip factor, right? Yes. The finish is really important to consider on the floor. If it's a glossy finish, uh, polished finish, you have a slip factor that increases dramatically. Typically, we go with a honed or a matte, duller finish. gives you a little more grip. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've mentioned to people, oh, you don't want this marble because you're going to slip. Oh, no, we'll be careful. Yeah, what about the people that come into your house? You know, you don't want to be responsible for your grandmother walking into your house. You've got marble and she slips. 
um, it's not a happy sight. So I think twice. Um, I, I don't know. I think just for the sake of safety, don't go with a gloss tile on the floor. I've uh, had incidents where young homeowners have placed a gloss or polished stone tile into, on the floor of the bathroom. And one of the two slipped and had a hard fall. And I've had a situation where they actually had it removed and replaced with something else. I had, when it was just natural stone, where they called me to ask who would, could, can come in and remove the polish and actually put on a home finish. So yes, be very, very conscious about the finish of the tile that you select for your floors. Right. Now, I did have somebody ask me if they could take the shine off the porcelain gloss tile. Now, explain why you can't do that. Yeah, that's a great question. That's that's actually inherent to the production process of porcelain. It's, a, it's without getting real technical, it's baked on. Um, imagine like your plates, your china. You cannot remove the glossy, shiny finish of your china dishes. It's, it's integrated to that product. So porcelain, you get what you get and you're going to live with it unless you remove it. You extract it, remove it that way. Well said. I agree. Okay, let's talk about metal tiles. I'm I'm reading that they're kind of in. The trend is going towards metal tiles, I'm sure, in certain rooms. What are you seeing there? You know, metal has its a lifetime. It um, ten years ago it was really a hot product, and then it started to diminish over time, just like glass tile. However, metal has a long enduring attraction to designers and architects. Uh, we have selections of stainless steel, bronze, oil, rub, brass, and natural brass type products. Copper is a, is a finish that's not in vogue at the moment, but metal has a following. And what I like about metal products is that you can actually use them as accents or deco dots in a floor, in a wall. You can use them as borders or as a decorative design. Um, metal has a nice following behind it. So you either like it or you don't. Mm-hmm. What is the biggest metal tile? Can you put it on the floor? I actually have a stainless steel tile that measures 12 inches by 24 inches. And it has a, and it is floor rated. It's also wall rated. And we can actually install that in showers. It's protected when it's, when the production of it is done, they seal it with a, uh, a chemical that is impervious to water and remains for years and years and years to come. Hmm. Wouldn't that be slippery, though? It, it's not a polished metal finish. It, it looks like it's more of a dull matte finish, so it would be applicable for floors. Hmm. In fact, it's, it's ADA rated, American Disabilities Act rated. Wow, that's interesting. Okay, and then um, not to um, belabor this uh, floor tile, but we have one more that I particularly like, and that would be the uh, linen look or the textures for the floor. Um, I think that's probably functional as well as very pretty, calming. Um, I mean, you could put that on your floor and be very happy with the next 10 or 15 years. Are you seeing anybody specifying uh, the silk or the linen look for the floor? It was something really popular with us just a few years ago. 
but was because of the advent of, of porcelain type products, and we are talking about porcelain, not natural stone products. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's some people have just been migrating to newer, innovative type of look or textures, or in this case, what you're describing is a fabric look. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a number of products out there available, not only through ceramic, but many other suppliers and vendors that offer a great look in something like a silk or a fabric or some type of texture along those lines. Hmm. Well, I can't leave out Thermador. Thermador is my other sponsor, and they also make wonderful appliances. They offer two distinct collections. One is the Masterpiece Collection, and that's more of a modern design for every kitchen. And then the Professional Collection, which is more of a restaurant-style look, which most men go for. And that would work in um, contemporary as well as traditional, as well as transitional and farm. Thermador is luxury that lasts, empowered by design, and led by innovation. So if you want to learn more about Thermador, go to thermador.com. And if you think you're going to get these quicker than the other um, manufacturer's products, wish on, because they're all back-ordered. And like I said before, start thinking ahead. Order your appliances. Don't be shocked when they tell you you've got to wait six months, because... We're having problems. And I guess basically it's the chip problem that's one of the things that's uh, causing these problems of long lead times. So think ahead. Well, we've got one more thing I want to talk about, and it's the walls, especially shower walls. Mostly you're going to see tile in shower walls, and you're going to see them on backsplashes in your kitchen. So what's in right now? Nancy, when it comes to any wall surface, uh, as you indicated earlier at the beginning of this podcast, homeowners are basically going to choose what they want, whether it's going to be a small ceramic size tile, like a three by six or a four by 12, or they're going to use large format porcelain. It's basically dependent upon their taste as well as the design that the designer uh, promotes to the homeowner. I see it all. I, I see in showers, um, small format ceramic tiles that produce an, an excellent look. Uh, then I have seen where homeowners want something that's really practical and maintenance-free. And so they'll use and select large format porcelain tiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last kitchen that I did, I used a large format tile and it worked out real well. I am steering them away from mosaic glass tiles. Like we said, glass is out. And the last thing you want is to do all of this remodeling in your kitchen and somebody walk in and go, oh, I've seen that so many times. You want something a little unique, but there again, like we said before, and I keep saying, it's your kitchen. I'm not going to stand there and wash dishes and stare at your backsplash. You're going to do it. Um, But we talked about the automated volume producers. Explain what that is and what the pros and cons are. Yes, handmade tile versus the volume producers. The volume producers basically produce a tile. Piece number one looks just like piece number one million. A handmade tile is actually that. You have an artisan maybe just a few artisans, people, that manufacture that tile. And each one of those pieces of tile that are manufactured by that artisan have character and a personality all to its own. So it's going to have lots of variability. It's going to have variability on the texture, maybe even the size a little bit, but definitely in the color, the glaze that's placed over that, that tile. There are those who really like that artisan handmade look, and there are those that want a very consistent look 
you want the artisan handmade look, it's going to take longer to produce, and it gives you a different characteristic altogether. The automated volume production, as I mentioned before, piece number one million is going to look like piece number one. You won't have any issues with it, and it'll look very... The, the entire service will, will remain consistent. Mm-hmm. So pros and cons is the handmade. Um, it's much more pricier than the volume production. Uh, you can find volume production tile three by six, like at the big box places for under $5 a square foot. Most handmade tile runs 10 times that. The handmade tile will take you anywhere from in with my vendors, 10 to 12 weeks to produce. With the automated, it's in stock. It's readily available for you right now. If you run out when it's being installed, you can run right back to the big box and and purchase more to finish up the project. Well, I was going to say, you said the handmade tiles are going to take a longer time, but you also carry tiles that are not handmade. Correct. So we don't want to scare them with the long lead time because you have tiles that have both long lead time and short lead time, depending on what they want. And everything that we have in Ceramica is, for the most part, made right here in the United States. 85% of everything that we produce is made right here in the U.S., we also have ceramic tile products that, that do run priced under $8 a square foot and are, are volume produced, um, as I mentioned. And those are readily available. They're in stock. Um, okay. So the, the, the thing with the handmade, the, the customization of color is something that is really important to some designers and homeowners. Through the volume produced tile, what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. Okay, one more question, or, well, that'll lead to two more questions. Um, you told me the story about the subway tile. Do you want to repeat that? Because I, <laughs> I think that's interesting. Most people laugh when I explain this or when they learn it upon themselves and do a little bit of research. Just go online and, and uh, ask a question on your browser. You know, where did subway tile originate? Well, actually, it comes from when the subways opened up in New York in the early 1900s. The tubes, the subway tubes were exposed cement and the um, the authorities thought you know the cement surface is going to get filthy and it's going to be uh, terrible to maintain if we don't do something about this so they considered a number of different solutions somebody came up with the use of a ceramic tile there was a manufacturer in new york uh, around the turn of the century that proposed the idea of using a three inch by six inch ceramic glazed tile when they tested it, they found, wow, this product is going to do really well in the, in this tube. It cleans easy. It, it's easy to maintain. Um, it's going to be better than paint. And so when people started to see that tile in the subway and they wanted it in their home, they say, we want that tile in the subway. Hence, subway tile. Yeah. And that became real popular in showers in the 20s. Right. And so and- anymore today... The subway tile was just a rectangular tile. Yeah. In, that, in, in the early 1900s, it was three by six because it was an easy uh, to produce dimension that didn't warp or twist. But yeah. today, a subway tile could be 12 inches by 36 inches. Right. And well, they call it subway because of the way we lay it. So you can lay it off center or you can stack it. Then we consider that not subway tile. Stacking means you just line up vertically and horizontally so that it's, how would you describe that? Um, It's called a soldier course. Oh, is that it? (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, so the subway tile, it, it people wanted not only the tile, but they wanted that look. And mm-hmm. so you're right. It's it's it it's laid out where the longer dimension of the tile runs left and right. Um, but if you take that longer dimension and rotate it 90 degrees where it's up and down, top and bottom, that's called a soldier course, like in military soldier. Oh, so when you lay the tile vertically, but you're still doing an offset, that's soldier? That's an offset soldier course. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I'll use that sometimes on a backsplash where I'll take the three by six or whatever size it is and turn it vertically. And then I can either do it, you know, offset or uh, soldier course, whatever. Um, no. But so you can take that tile and you can create all different kinds of patterns. You can take that three by six and do a herringbone. Right. And what's really interesting here, if you lay the tile horizontally running left to right and you've got a space that you want to give the appearance that it's actually wider than it is laying it in that pattern will give the optical illusion that that wall or that space is wider than it truly is Mm -hmm. by the same token if you take that tile and put it into a pattern where the longer dimension is running top to bottom it will give the illusion that that wall is taller than what Mm -hmm. it really is Exactly. You're exactly right, Gil. Okay, so the subway tile can be any size. We understand that, and there's various ways of laying it. But the most important thing after you've decided that is picking out your grout. Now, you can do tight grout lines. I don't really see real tight grout lines with subway tile on a backsplash, but we do specify tight grout lines on floors, Right. Because who wants to clean grout? So the smaller the grout line, the easier it is to maintain. Right, Gil? Correct. However, there's a a dimension that has a point of diminishing return. In other words, if you get to the point where you have no grout line whatsoever, you will incur problems in the future. I was at a job site two weeks ago today where a homeowner was complaining that their 24-inch by 24-inch limestone tile was chipping along the edges. When I arrived, I immediately explained to the homeowner, it's because it was laid wrong. They wanted a zero grout joint, which meant that the tiles buttered up against each other. Over a period of two years, virtually the entire floor, the edges of the tile were chipping. And it's because they did not allow for any contraction or expansion or anything that would cause the, uh, the edges of that tile to become uh, to become impacted by either feet or heels or rollers on carts and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So if you install a floor with a, without a grout joint because it looks nice, you will. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of time. You will incur a problem, whether it's a natural stone or porcelain. Mm-hmm. My recommendation is if you want a really narrow grout joint, use th- the thickness of three business cards. That will allow for grout, what's called non-sanded grout, to to um, penetrate that that gap between the tiles. Three business card thicknesses is what is what I would recommend. Hmm. Well, we talked about before that if you, we were talking about the large format tiles, if you don't get a professional tile installer who knows what he's doing, then you're going to have cracking. Well, the same thing here. Uh, the person that you visited two weeks ago, 
obviously she found an installer that didn't do something right. Correct. So you have to really do your research on your installer. Don't just go by the price because everybody and his uncle say they, oh yeah, we can install tile, even a lot of homeowners. They feel that installing tile is so easy. They've seen it on YouTube. They've taken a course at the big box stores and boy, they can do anything. But there's a lot of things that that um, the installers who have a lot of experience will eliminate because of their experience, because of their know-how. So think about it before you hire somebody to do your tile or Correct. anything, anything actually, right? A licensed certified tile contractor would have either counseled the homeowner against a zero grout joint or would have walked off the job saying, we're not going to do it because we have to warranty it and guarantee it. And it doesn't meet specifications. Mm, and how long do they typically warranty their work? It depends upon the, the, the municipality um, and the product and also if it's residential or commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, with residential, it's a minimum of six months. Commercial, uh, it can be as as much as a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I think we covered everything. Now, for the people who want to investigate a new tile for their house or they're remodeling, uh, listen, make sure that if you know anybody who's doing that, Tell them to listen to this podcast because, boy, this was a lot of information and all important information, not just the trending, but we talked a lot about installation, everything else you should know before you delve into this tile, new tile or whatever you're going to do in your house. I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. I think, Gil, you did a great job and I want to thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you always do a great job. I appreciate that, Nancy. Thank yeah, you. You've got a good background. You've got a good um, knowledge of everything, even including subway tile. I didn't know that, and I'm from New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, I encourage anybody that wants to know more about subway tile, it's easily researched. And uh, there's some pretty interesting stories, not only of tile manufacturers, but what went into the design and and selection process. I found it interesting. And I will say that the grout in the subway is black. Now, we don't know because I wasn't there. What did they start out with? Maybe lighter colors. But if anybody's been on that subway, you know that uh, filth is rampant. And a lot of people want to emulate that look. So you can go with the dark gray grout. It depends on if you want to create a busy pattern. You can always go with the same color grout as the tile. And so you're not creating that busy, busy cross-hatching tile uh, for your backsplash. So think of that too. Color of grout is very important. Did I say thank you, Gil? I really want to thank you for doing this. You did. You're welcome. So anybody who's listening to this, don't forget to share them with your friends, please. And don't forget to subscribe. We're on so many platforms um, including um, Apple and Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to nancyhugo.com. And if you have any questions for me or for Gil about Tile or the subway, you can email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. I also do a weekly podcast with my techie son, Dan, and we talk about everything but design on Hugo Floss. We have been 
off for a couple of weeks on that particular podcast, but we'll be resuming soon. On that podcast, I have a segment where I bitch about things. You certainly don't want to miss that because I can bitch as well as anybody else. So I want you all to stay safe. Have a great day. And Gil, thanks again. Have a great day. I will. You also. Thank you. Bye.